This is Bail Street, crime, finance, and everything in between. Hosted by Ira Jettelson, bail bondsman to the stars, and Danny Moses of The Big Short fame, this is Bail Street. Welcome to Bail Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettelson. We got John Joseph, frontman for the Cro-Mags, fresh off of a show they played in Minnesota. That's right. Correct? Yep. You got a book coming out called PMA. That's your third book, if I'm not mistaken. You're still eating plants. All the time. And beans. And beans. We're going to talk about that. I fart a lot. He ate a tree before he came in here. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about, so Ira, why don't we start? You guys just saw each other for the first time in a few years. Let's work our way there. I know John from my business from a couple years back, and uh, he came into my office, what, about five, six years ago, JJ? Yeah. And uh, he did a bail for his nephew, and uh, everything worked out. And uh, we became... except for me getting my money back from him. <laughs> I'll, that... get, I'll get you the money. Am back. I allowed to curse? Absolutely. You can do that motherfucker. <laughs> That's family too. How yeah. much? How much is it? What are we talking you, about? You know what Robert McKee said? Family's great. They give you the. They afford you the opportunity to deal with people you would never deal with in your real life. <laughs> Can't choose your family, JJ. <laughs> how much is it? A few grand. Yeah. But whatever. He it's owed me principal. money, and it's the principal. I've been there for him for ten years. You've uh, always been there for I him. I was his legal guardian. I fucking bailed him out before. This went, your brother's kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. W- went to Rikers and visited him. Brought him. I mean, anyone who's ever been to Rikers knows what a pain in the ass that is. It's not the Ritz, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Can I ask what he went in for? Um, was it robbery? I think it was yeah, robbery. He, robbery. he posed yeah. himself as a police officer and they robbed a drug dealer, but he had many priors. And um, But the law has changed nowadays, so that could actually be something that's not a, uh, a crime anymore if he poses as a police officer and, and rob a drug dealer. I got you. I'm only joking there, right. JJ. <laughs> was he wearing a Halloween costume or was it a real thing? Uh, you know... Yeah, just you know. stupidity. And I, I met I met John then, obviously. And then when we knew we were having him on the podcast, I said, "Don't say nothing to him." I just wanted him to see my face. And when he first walked in, he gave me that look, the handsome and bastard it, that he and is. And then all of a sudden, it started coming back to the man. He's like, nah, "It's so funny because like two days ago, my girl uh, redid the whole bookshelf." And Iris' book is sitting right there, and I'm like, motherfucker, why did they not make a TV did show? Did I autograph this? that book for yes, you? Yes, you did. I did I'm going to sell that. that shit on eBay if I, <laughs> if I get broke. It's called The Fixer. So oh, if anybody my God, out there, what a book. Go, go read that book. It's a book. great book. Yeah. They stole it. Yeah. Showtime stole it from him. Yeah, they yeah. put on Donovan. It's they, all right. Pfft. Oh, wow. We were going to do something together, right? Yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. with uh, Frankie Grillo about it's, doing something? Yeah. Frank Grillo. and it, It's funny because I know... Um, Liev Shriver from the West Side. He used to play ball over there in uh, Horatio Park. Yeah, people don't realize he's like six four. His name, his nickname is Huggy Bear. Is it really? Yeah, he knows Ricky Powell, Rick Stud, the whole. And, and when did we talk a little bit about Liev Shriver? I was just today? talking How about him because not, I was watching twenty four seven, which is at Boxing HBO, and then um, the uh, football. Hard knocks, and Hard I'm like, knocks, yeah. this guy's voice is tremendous. Yeah. I never knew it was him. Yeah, I'm like, I, I oh, want to. He's great. He's I want him follow me around in life. Danny got out of the shower. You know, like just yeah. the way he speaks is incredible. He so. should actually. You got a pretty sexy voice too. Well, there. you know, when you need a front, or you need a back man to the front man. When they're looking, for, when they're looking for new uh, episodes on uh, on uh, Ray Donovan, they'll be calling me and saying, "Hey, you want to come on and consult a little with us, and we'll give you some uh, some moolah to see if we can give you some new stories." I'll say, "Yeah, Liv, no problem." So let's do this. So talking about books. Yeah, this one's coming out. This, this podcast will probably come out as PMA is coming out, which it's is called the PMA Effect. Positive yeah. mental attitude, yeah. correct? Can yeah. we talk a little bit about sure, that? Sure, okay. let's roll on it. Yeah, talk to me. Um, well, it's uh, you know when I was going through a lot of shit, I you know grew up in fucking brutal foster homes and uh, was on the street seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. Got locked up, sent upstate, Spofford, the whole nine. So I went out, went into the Navy, and I was fucking up smuggling drugs and fucking caught a case and just, you know, I was just a confused, you know, 18-year-old that had been through a lot of shit and then uh, saw the Bad Brains play in Norfolk, Virginia, sold their uh, manager uh, LSD. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, I was like <laughs> fucking nuts. And the singer was like, sat and talked to me about positive mental attitude. They have this song, Attitude, and it's don't care what they may say, we got that attitude. Don't care what people may do, we got that attitude. Yeah, we got that PMA. And it's like this fucking brutal punk song. They were these four Rastafarian punk rockers from the ghetto of D.C., influenced everybody. 
Anyway, so I, I started delving into the whole PMA. He said, you know, with a positive mental attitude, we can we can get through anything in life. And, um, you know, it was and he took it from um, Napoleon Hill's uh, teachings and stuff uh, who, you know, wrote a bunch of books. But, you know, the thing was, um, it was kind of a seed that was planted that took a little more water and to grow. But um, due to circumstances, I I caught a drug case in the Navy um, selling to undercovers. And then I beat this dude down on my ship. I ended up splitting. So uh, I got a job with the Bad Brains like shortly after that in 81, living in New York, Alphabet City, f- had a fight with a big drug gang. Remember you told me that? Yeah, I got stabbed and um, they gave me a job. And uh, I mean, these guys put a KOS on me and shit. KOS is kill on the spot, just so you know. Kill Thank on you. site, ter- know terminate that. on site, whatever. And then the Bad Brains ended up squashing it and they gave me a job. But then I got to be with them uh, and tour and then started this band called the Crow Mags in 81 with other guys. Um, And so I was like, you know, HR told me, like, just come on this tour for 30 days. Don't eat no meat. Don't take no drugs. Don't drink. And your life's going to change, you know, meditation. And I was doing yoga and training. And sure enough, 30 days after came off this tour, I was like, holy shit, you know, my whole, the anger issues I had, all the fucked up shit, it was, it was starting to heal, so now that I'm seeing, uh, I lived as a monk for two years, a Hare Krishna monk in, in Hawaii, in, in the hills, and, and uh, New York, so I just basically took everything I've learned about mindset and what it takes to overcome uh, adversity in life and and put those methods and pick the brains of I got friends who are Navy SEALs and uh, MMA fighters in the UFC and and just pe- you know women who survive cancer and it, it, there's so many battles we can go through in life, but if we keep the right mindset, uh, which has become a big thing these days, mindset the positive mental attitude can get us through anything. So that's it's basically a book that teaches you. How to get your shit done under any and all circumstances. You're a punk rocker, Forrest Gump. When you think yeah. about the movie, he went into the, to the Navy, right? He went running across America. He had a positive the whole thing, that smiley face thing. You got, you know. You're 11 Ironmans, uh, Kona twice. So, yeah. Basically, John, nothing can knock you down. I mean, well, you've been through everything, it, it, man. You know, it's not how many times we get knocked down. It's how, it's how fast many you get fucking up. times we yeah. get up, you know. Can, can we back up to the time that you actually went to jail? So you didn't go to jail for the Navy no, nah. you went to jail for something else. Well, before yeah, that, I, ha- right? I uh, well, I caught, I had two, you did two years, right? Yeah, I had, I caught a, you know, I caught, uh, I had a drug case. I sold to undercovers. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday, like, um, that was from. I was flying back from Minneapolis. We played a show, and uh, the guy, I'm like, holy shit! I just got an alert because I'm supposed to go to Rockaway and swim, and I go, oh man, the fucking ferries ain't running from Wall Street. He's like, you go to Rockaway. Turns out the guy was born and raised there. So we started talking about the old days in Rockaway when the Ramones wrote about, hey, rock, yeah. rock, rock, rock. I used to see the Ramones there yep. in the circle at 116th Street and go to Playland and the whole shit. And I was like, well, there was drug dealers that lived out in Rockaway Beach, this one Jimbo Sterling. So on 98th Street, when you got off the plane, off the train to go to Playland, he had a hot dog hamburger stand. So when you would go to get a hot dog hamburger, if you knew what was up, he would put the bag of weed in the hot dog and hamburger bun. It's like relish. Right. Garnishing. <laughs> it's relish. The yeah. new term for weed. Yeah. I want Yo, some... you got those 50s of relish? <laughs> yeah. give, give me some ketchup, mustard, and a dime bag. I'm yeah. good. Throw some extra relish. <laughs> but um, then we would deal, and it was really weird because like... Uh, we were dealing with these two people, and they looked like the one dude looked like the dude from the Almond Brothers. The chick was like this hippie chick, gorgeous, kept buying and buying and buying and buying more. And then one that was my first case. I, I I went to the hot dog stand, and Jimbo was looking all fucking paranoid. And then like he turned a little bit and showed me that he was wired up. Yeah, they, they he was he was they they had him in the bracelets, fucking and I just bastard. boogied. 
they w- they were supposed to meet me there to buy weed, and I just boogied, and then they chased me up on the fucking uh, train platform and were like, rule number one, police one-on-one, never run, bam, 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 beat the, the shit out of me. I bet you the shape you're in now, you never would have gotten caught. They would have never caught me. <laughs> but that was my first case, and I was in St. John's Home for Boys, so uh, St. John's was like, okay, we'll take them back, don't send them to Spofford. Right. Then they gave me the whole, okay, you know, waiting for the court case to come. I split right after, and then I went on to the streets again, and uh, and then we tried to break into a, a, a pharmacy drug, a roof on 116th Street, and fucking next thing we know, cops surrounded us. Get at, get down, you assholes. That was case number two. I had to beg them not to send me to Spofford, and uh, and then I split again, and uh, that was when. Shit just hit the fan. I, I I mean, I was into punk rock. I was going to Max's and CB's. I had this girlfriend. She was doing dope. And I was uh, a heroin mule for these. That's how I lived. I, I From uh, Alphabet City, those guys. No, right? they uh, they lived in Rockaway, but okay. they, they trafficked drugs. But we would cop in Alphabet City. Right. And they would make me, because I was like 14, 15 right, years young. old, carry the drugs. I was like the mule. And um, did, you didn't know. you tell me your parents passed at a young age? Is that what you told me? A long no, time? my no, no, no. I my mother's still time. alive. My father was a professional boxer. Right. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean he trained at uh, Glee at uh, not Gleason's. Um, what do you call it? Um, Gramercy Gym. Okay. With Customato okay. and all those guys on 14th Street that right. was next to the Palladium and right. So like yeah, but he was a, he was a fucking animal and. Uh, so he was beat beat down my mom right. very badly, and uh, the whole time he just fucking was a fucking animal to her. Uh, you know, I didn't find out till I was forty that um, all that shit happened in the well, house. Well, that he raped her, and that's how I was born, and, and 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 my younger brother too. And she only planned to have my older brother, and then she left him, and the cops wouldn't lock him up because he's like this fucking. Irish boxer, fucking, how, what do you mean? You're still married to him. How's it right. rape? You right. want to talk about me too? Right. I mean, fucking, the cops didn't do shit to her. Right. To him, rather. But anyway. Um, how old were you when you when you found that out? At a young age? What? That that your that your mother was raped by. Uh, no, she didn't tell me till I was 40. Okay. I was 40 Or you would have killed her. What would you, I mean. Uh, I mean, you know, I had an opportunity to meet with him in 99 and I didn't because I was like, motherfucker, if I see you, like the last memory I have of him, he beat the fucking, tried to almost kill her in front of us and broke into the house we was at. How old she you was then? on the, I was, uh, it was 69. I was like not seven years old, six or seven years old. I'm born in 62. So it was like. You know, I chose not to meet him. I knew what it happened because my older brother, E, um, met this guy who knew him in a bar in a story and was like, oh, I could get, you know, I know your dad, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, yo, I'm going to go meet him. I said, I want no part of that because my brother's a little more calm. You're afraid what you're going to do. I'll fucking beat his ass, you know. I understand. Uh, Listen. You know, and and, and, I mean, what he did to my mom, I'll never forgive the motherfucker. And, you know, the thing was... I chose not to meet him, and uh, is he is he passed? Uh, I'm gonna tell you a crazy story. So you know, my brothers yes. uh, had drug problems. Yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. So that's how we he's met. All, he, yeah, that's how we met. Right. So um, he has been in and out of the hospital. So he's in the VA up at the Finger Lakes. Okay. I get this fucking phone call, and he's like, "Yo, I gotta tell you something. Check this out." Fucking nurse comes in, looks at, at looks at my uh, at my thing. She goes, "Oh, Frank McGowan, are you any relation to John McGowan?" And he's like, "Yeah, John Joseph McGowan. That's my brother, the singer from the Cro-Mags. And she's like, "No, not John Joseph McGowan. John Emil McGowan, your father." He's like, "Yo, that's my father." And she's like, "John Emil McGowan's your father." And she's like, "Yeah." She leaves the room. She comes back. She's like, "Do you have two brothers?" John and Eugene and your mother's Marie. And he goes, yeah. And she goes, your father's in the next room dying Holy at shit. the VA hospital. You can't make that shit no, up. No, you can't. We didn't even know he was in the military. And uh, he begged for forgiveness. And my brother, they sent the priest in. And my brother said, tell him to go fuck himself. Burn in hell. Um, he pulled through. And then they sent them both to the, the um, recovery part of the 
He's an alcoholic living on the streets. No, has nobody. Dirty clothes. Fucking homeless. Jeez. He burned it, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Frank came in, and she's like, "Oh, that's a McGowan too in the other wing." And and he's like, "Yeah, that's my father." And he's like, "I ain't his father. We just got the same last name." And then my brother tried to get out of the wheelchair, like, "Fuck you! You're damn right, you ain't my father, you motherfucker!" Like, and they had to like ship him to different facilities. So it wasn't a happy reunion. No, it wasn't. So he's when was that? How long ago was that? No, this was like four years ago, five years so ago. So is he still is he still alive? I have no idea. Jesus. I don't I I, I I honestly I thanked him in my first book, The Evolution of a Cro Magnon, for being the scumbag that he was because it made me who I am going through adversity like that, you know, like true characters revealed under pressure, that's what they say. So it took a lot of shit. For me to get to where I am in the life experience and how I reach out to help other people these days, none of that would have been possible had I not gone down the path uh, that I did. Actually, when people read that book, they thought that I made the shit up. They were like, all those fake memoirs came out a million little pieces and the Village Voice wanted wanted to do a, a feature on it, proving that it was bullshit. And then when they contacted my mother and family and everything and they were like... Everything in the fucking book is true. Then they gave me the cover of the Village Voice uh, when the book came out initially in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, but uh, did you ever write any music about your father? Or nah, his I don't give a fuck. Not about no, like you know I, an I, angry, I, an angry punk. Well, Russian. yeah, I mean, but not necessarily about him, but just like what I had to go through. You know, we were sexually abused in the foster home by the. By these fucking 18... Johnny, you spent seven years in there, right? Yeah, almost seven. And then, like, you know, the fucked up thing was, and this is really dealing with... I, I adapted my book for the screen now, and I'm working on that. And But the whole theme of that was that my mother kept choosing her boyfriend that didn't want us around over her kids and telling us, I'm going to take you out of there. So she would have nervous breakdowns constantly so we could never tell her what they were doing to us but we kept a diary for the entire time that's that's how we were able to and and we just became thieves they they would not give us food they would starve us beat us like you know it's a it's funny that you talk about you know your mom choosing your boyfriend choosing her boyfriend over you because in my book we I talked about a situation where I had a uh, iron worker that uh, came into my office, and I've never seen a guy so upset in my life. And he had done time as a, a young guy, but now he was in the union. And his wife, he had a, uh, a daughter that was being abused by the boyfriend. And the daughter was telling the mother, and the mother was just totally not listening, not even thinking twice about doing anything about it, and told the, the father. And the father wanted to bail him out. Yeah. And I said, I talked this guy down. I said, you can't do it this way. You can't do it this way. And he yeah. said, I got you. But I, he was broke down in tears. This guy had hands I've never seen. He was like a, a strong, strong guy. And we basically worked out something for, you know, a, a different solution to the problem where the guy ended up getting canned. They ended up beating the little daylights out of him, some of his ironworker guys. And, you know, it, yeah. it's a sick thing that you get these these moms that, you know, they, they, they just won't look and see what's going on in the world, what's going on with their kids. And and what happens afterwards? Look at you now, you know? I mean, yeah. all the shit that you went through. When did you start? Well, well, the thing was, we we didn't tell her any of that. She never knew that. She knew shit was fucked up. Like, she could tell because we would come home, like, there was shit fucked up, in, you know, with our personalities. She never knew that, and we couldn't tell her. That was the one thing. That was the secret that me and my brothers kept that... We 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 would never tell anybody, and that's the bond you guys have together. That's the bond that we had together, and 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 the thing was, we couldn't tell her the shit that they were doing to us, right. because even the other stuff, starving us, hitting us, fucking making us sleep in a garage, feeding us dog food, like. We couldn't tell her any of that because then she would have a nervous breakdown and then we wouldn't be allowed to come home for visits. And you didn't want to so be in the we, foster so, home, so you had yeah, so, less so of two evils right they there. Would, they would fucking, every time, if we would go home, they would buy buy us new clothes. But they had six foster kids that they were getting the money for mm. and it was this shit where they like feed, they fed us for breakfast Oreo, Oreo she would scrape the spit. She would scrape the filling off the Oreo, and she didn't like the filling. She liked the wafer. She would spit it in a bowl and wipe it on bread and feed it to us with tea. 
That was that. our food. And then she, then they would pit us against each other. Like, oh, like Eugene's been the good boy. He's going to get to pick the cereal and eat the whole box of Lucky Charms in front of you while we're fucking starving, trying to make us hate each other and rat on each other. But we found out where they were keeping the money, and we started fucking stealing the money from them. We st- we we found out where they had the stash of cash, and we fucking started Turn the uh, tables right turning on. the fucking tables on them, stealing the money, going to friendlies. Like when you're starved as a kid, everything's fucking food. Yep. Everything, yep. everything revolved around food. So is that why you did that lead you to this vegan or plant based diet? Just because you you felt you owed it to your your body and yourself to make up for all those years or was it uh, i would fucking eat anything like even when i got locked up and you get three hots and a cot i i like they say you know you know you got you got to get your weight up i went in 135 i I, you go in at 135 it's not easy to say i came out 165 i boxed i fucking i i lifted i fucking worked out so it was like you know and then when i heard about you know the good see my thing to plant based i don't even call myself a vegan cuz there's so many vegan douchebags like in my i wrote another book my second book's called meat is for pussies it's right. comedy joe rogan had me on yeah, he fucking yeah. loved it he's <laughs> like i was like i didn't come up with that <laughs> but the thing is you know it was all the violence i saw in my life when the Rastafarians broke that shit down to me in 1980 and were like, yeah, man, you don't have a right to take the life of the animal. Every second of torture that that animal go through, you're ingesting the flesh of that animal. It's affecting your consciousness. And I was like, I saw fucking people's heads get blown off in front of me. I saw people's throats get slashed. Like the areas that I've been around the drug shit and hustling at Madison Square Garden. I was on the streets during the blackout. Like the shit I've seen and and what was done to me as a kid prior to that and all the violence, I was like, yo, if this is going to help me heal the anger and and whatever and, and and walk a path of ahimsa, which means nonviolence, not that if a motherfucker comes trying to do dirt to you, you're not going to ham him up. That's not what that's about. It's about... I don't unnecessarily cause harm to other living entities. But if someone steps and tries to hurt me, my family, or friends, then and it's on. The, all the fucking gloves come and off. And it's on. So when did the fitness part of you know becoming triathlete in, in the last six or seven years? God damn, your voice is so fucking sexy. Is he a sexy guy? <laughs> <laughs> He sounds like a sexy version of Dr. Oz over there. Yeah. He works in strip clubs on the, uh, the weekends. <laughs> let's welcome John Coming Joseph. Coming to the stage. <laughs> the Cro-Mags have brought autumn, summer, and winter with them. Let's walk in them on the front stage. Get your tickets, get your calendars, get your CDs. They may be from 1983, but these are vintage, and go get them now. Stormy uh, to the front. Yeah. So The fitness. Yeah. Um, I was always athletic because that was an outlet for me. Like they would In the foster home, they would kick us out of the house and be like, Nobody like when they had relatives over or whatever they didn't want. They the, didn't want. They, you we didn't were want basically. You guys, you they, guys were money men. They oh, made us for money. That's all they had. They you made for. us their fucking slaves. Yeah, you that's were, what it boiled down to. So when their family came over and they would have their wonderful dinners and all this shit, they didn't want us around. So they would fucking send us to the schoolyard. We just became amazing athletes. The, me and my two brothers, and uh, and I continued that, and even when I was locked up. You know, even in Spofford, like, I would play handball with the Spanish cats, b-ball with the bros. Uh, And when I went upstate, uh, you know, they had uh, sports programs up there, basketball, you know, stuff to keep you you occupied. occupied. Like they said, they call it you had to be active constantly. And then I went into the Navy. I was very fit um, and just continued on with that and was a runner uh, psych- like the thing that really got me into triathlon and and started was uh, back in '81 um, when I went AWOL. I had to get a job where I didn't have to fucking show any ID because as soon as you fucking use your social security, I was AWOL for 15 years. I had the second longest AWOL in Norfolk Naval Base history, so you couldn't use any ID. I had to use a fake name and everything and get a check cashing card right. from the bike messenger services that I worked for. So that's 
uh, how I got into cycling because Nelson Vales, who made it to the Olympics in 84, worked at one of the companies. And then all these guys were like, I was riding a fucking girl's 10 speed bike. They're like, if you get a real bike, you you could you'd be kicking ass and making a lot more money. And then I started riding with the guys in the park at night, seven o'clock, the pack ride, uh, swimming, running. Oh, you know, I would go on tour with Cro-Mags and, and run fucking 10 miles every single morning, work out in the gym. Weren't you doing a little MMA, too? Didn't you tell me you were doing uh, MMA not, stuff? Not MMA, but I, I messed around, you know, with learning martial arts and stuff. Right. I took, you know, classes with, with different teachers around and, and, and uh, just, you know, learn, learned uh, stuff that's applicable for the streets. Is more what I was concerned with. You know, jujitsu is great, but if you're on the street fighting a bunch of people, you're not going to try biting, to take somebody you're to hitting the someone. Whatever's next to you, throwing yeah, it, you're, hitting, you're like, doing whatever you got to do to survive. You know, karate, I know crazy, <laughs> motherfucker. Come on, like, you know. But uh, yeah, so I just it's it's just been an ongoing uh, fitness thing, and then the plant based community hooking up with guys like Rich Roll, Brendan Brazier, all these uh, amazing athletes. Um and just just kept it going, you know. When's your next drug event? Free. When's your uh, next November. I'm training for Ironman Florida right now, November third, uh, Panama City Beach. So uh, I was out on the road, even with the band. Excuse me, I'm training, and uh, I did Kona World Championship twice. Uh, toughest one day endurance race in the world. And the best thing about that was I raised uh, almost a uh, hundred grand for a kid with cancer. That's great. Yeah. Um, are you doing one? Are you raising money on this one coming uh, up? Well, nah. Um, it was the Owens family. Um, they live in Connecticut okay. and they, their kid has NF. And so I supported CTF's Children's Tumor Foundation. So this race, I'm just, I'm just racing it, you know. Bale Street. For more content, please subscribe and follow Bale Street on Instagram and YouTube. Search Bale Street. That's just one word. Bale Street. Do you know? Uh, you know, Ira can't swim. I can't swim a lick. Maybe you can help him take him into the. Uh, you know, there East was River. one guy that always used to <laughs> fucking talk shit. I ain't gonna say his name, but he used to be in a Chromex and he had a fear of the water. If I was, I was like, if I ever have to fuck with him, I'm gonna put him on a boat five miles out and just throw him off. Is it Flanagan? I, 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 Nah. <laughs> what? Who's that guy? Flanagan. Uh, he's the ex-bass player. He's a, f you know, he ratted me out for being a wall. He robbed the band. This is another rap man. You're talking about yeah, uh, snitching. I don't like, like you snitches get stitches, and, right, Johnny? And he and he locked this other dude up too. He snitched on him, and the guy ended up doing twenty five years. So. You know, in our culture, in the street culture, you don't write songs like Listen Street Justice this. and Survival of the Street. Listen streets. to this, Danny. I'm listening. Go ahead. Go on, John. Tell him. And them. then turn around and snitch on motherfuckers. You don't do that. And then claim you're this bad martial artist and you, 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 you know, he goes on Jocko Willings' podcast and talks shit that we fucking jumped him and, and just creating this whole fucking He's facade. He's never of, coming on Bell Street. Do you hear that? Um, no way. Never he snitched coming. on me. Okay, because he was doing drugs and he robbed the band. He robbed me. He robbed me on tours for fucking forty thousand fucking dollars. Made me come home broke. First tour we ever did in Europe. Robbed all the money in eighty seven. Joined the band back in fucking ninety one. He steals all the money again. Forty two shows in Europe sold out. Five thousand motherfuckers at some of these shows. Pays me seven hundred dollars. I find out he pocketed fucking tens and thousands of dollars. Gets a record deal. Turns around, steals fucking money. Eighteen thousand out of the bank account. And fucking. Uh, you know, the shit just fell apart. And then I had to continue with the Cro-Mags to get out of the contract. And the motherfucker starts calling me up high on dope from the West Coast. If you don't stop playing as the Cro-Mags, I'm going to rat you out for any everything you ever did. And you're on the lam right at this uh, yeah, time. Yeah, I'm fucking AWOL. He knows it. So sure enough, I said, well, that would be the biggest mistake you ever made in your fucking life if you fucking snitch on me. He comes back uh, St. Paddy's Day, two, uh, um, 1995, the next day the fucking cops are banging down my fucking door on 2nd Avenue. He fucking snitched on me. And I had to go deal with the military shit, he fucking, all this other bullshit. So when you talk, oh, yeah, the streets, I'm a, I'm a fucking black belt in jiu-jitsu. And, and the minute anything ever happens, you turn around and you're fucking snitching on people and robbing. See, we had a code on the streets. You don't rob your fucking friends. I'm, my friend's Tell kid. Tell that to Madoff. 
my friend's kid just had all his friends over and one of them motherfuckers robbed my friend's house. And I'm like, that's scumbag shit. And if you did that back in the day, you would get stomped the fuck out on principle. You don't rob your friends and you don't rob your band members. You don't rob motherfuckers that get in a van and travel all over the world and we can't, We were living in fucking squats and all this shit. And I took that dude's back. He has SWAT sticker tattoos, fucking racist fucking skinhead. And, and the Puerto Ricans, uh, he was on the cover of gay magazines uh, for beating up gay people. Like, why, you know, gentlemen, beware of these skinheads. And it was a picture of fucking Harley Flanagan. And they, they paid the Puerto Ricans to fucking... Do, do a, a number on, on them, yeah. and they came up to me because I fought those same dudes. And right. were like, out of respect for you, this dude's in your band, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you tell him the shit stops now. If he does one more fucking thing, we're, take, we're taking the money, and he's going to get fucking done. So it was like, you know, I had this kid's back, like, fucking from day one, been a brother to him the whole time. And then he presents this whole thing, like, where the backstabbers, like, because he came back to the band, we tried to do the shit again in 2000 and it was just more scumbag bullshit and I'm like why the fuck I was like that's it I'm done he quit and we went on so now it's the whole thing we're dealing with now uh, uh, like the case he's trying to sue us like uh, and say he owns the name and this and that and whatever the fuck but you know the whole principle is a snitch is a snitch and you don't trust no snitches yep. it ain't like he snitched he snitched on this other cat that got in a fight and even lied. He got this dude. I won't, I'm not going to mention his name, but he just got out uh, a couple years ago. And um, this fight went down and this kid ended up getting stabbed back in the early 80s. And he and the kid passed. But the thing was, if, you know, my friend to this day says he's not the one that did it. All the witnesses say he didn't do it. This guy Flanagan fucking went to the cops and fucking snitched on him. He's on he's on the police reports. And this guy was a friend of the Cro-Mags. He used to carry our fucking equipment for us. So when the when the when his lawyer was like, This guy's name is on the fucking paper, you know this guy Flanagan? He's like, What? He couldn't believe it. Like this guy fucking snitched on you. You know, but the thing is, um, you know Ira and I have different uh so there's Wall Street snitches which protect Companies, yeah, you know, financial health down, down in the end of the day. So Ira has a problem with that. But my attitude to that is that they're going to cost thousands of people their jobs. Yeah, and somebody's looking out for themselves. So we have a different definition. I, I mean, friendship is different than. Uh, business I mean, my point is there was yeah. no reason for him to snitch yeah. on me, and there was no reason for personal gain to jealous. snitch Just personal on gain. the other person, other than the fact that he didn't like him, and this crew that this guy ran with. Kind of took over the the oh, scene in the neighborhood, and he's like, "Motherfucker stole my crown." He always thought he was the king of the fucking scene, but he ain't. Nobody is, you know. We don't roll like that because as soon as the Puerto Ricans from the Avenue D project stepped the fuck up, they all ran like a bunch of little bitches. You know, I got you. I'm the one. I'm the motherfucker that fought them dudes when they would come into punk rock clubs and try to fucking smack up punk rockers. All of them fucking dudes wearing all the shit, looking all fucking mean and trying to present this whole fake ass shit like they're tough. I just was like, nobody's putting a knife in my fucking stomach. I'm standing up for myself, and and, and that's how all of that beef uh, originated. How but, many of the original band members were with you in, in Minneapolis? I mean, uh, uh, Two. Okay. The, me and the drummer, Mackie, who played in Fun Loving Criminals. He's on Charles and A1 fucking Grammys. He's he's like the best drummer doing this shit right now. Yep. I mean, Mackie Jason is like, you ask anybody, he played in the Bad Brains. And then the guitar player has been with us since 92. The guitar player was even there when Flanagan was there. Uh, and he stayed on with us. AJ Novello, and he was the guitar player for this band called Leeway. And then we got the bass player from Sick of It All, who's a fucking huge band, and uh, Craig Satari. And, he, you know, he's he's a cool dude. See, my whole thing is I don't need to be doing, you know, the music. They offered us, like, 
a few years back a lot of money to tour in Europe and play all the headline festivals with this guy Flanagan and I was like fuck that you couldn't pay me any amount of money to get back on stage with that guy yep. it ain't about the, ain't money. the money it's music to me when I was in the foster homes getting the shit beat out of me and all the other shit it was music was the only thing that I ever had to 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 Keep heal myself and take shelter of and then when I got to play music, starting in 81, so it's been this real spiritual process and cleansing for me. So the last thing, after all this shit that I want to deal with now at 56 years of age is to go on tour with a little crybaby who has to bring his girlfriend on the road, hold his fucking hand, uh, you know, get his way about every little fucking thing on the road and complain and cry and bellyache. We go out on the road and have a great time. So, so the feeling at you know at the end of a show or when you're up there, how does that compare to finishing a triathlon at this point? Just to, you know. Well, you know, somebody said to me, "Oh, you do you do uh, Cro-Mags to keep in shape for Ironman." I'm like, "Nah, I do Ironman to keep in shape for the Cro-Mags. <laughs> it's it's fucking it's 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 just like this cleansing." fucking thing i don't get high i'm completely 100 percent sober i don't fucking do drugs to get on stage and play music it's a and and uh, i i would say like in comparison like the other day i fucking ran saturday morning because i'm training for this iron man so i had to fucking run in central park all out how long did you run for i ran for over an hour but like at 155 160 beats per minute i use a heart rate monitor my coach wanted me up in fucking zone three. Ira, you've been up to zone three after 15 yards of running. You're, I don't even drive. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then I had to get on a plane and go to Minneapolis and play. But you should have just run there. It's it's <laughs> Yeah, somebody said, would you ride your bike up there? No, but it's like, it's this, it, our lyrics are all very spiritual. We have songs like Seekers of the Truth and Malfunction. And, and are, you still gotta, new, are you still writing new music? Yeah, I just did a new album with two of the guys from Queens of the Stone Age, Joey Castillo and uh, Nick Oliveri. We did this band called Blood Clot and put out a record. And the shit was like we were fucking charting and the metal shit in Europe and everything. So I still write stuff. We we have to clear up this law. Everyone's like, yo, how come you don't put no new music with the Cro-Mags? Because it's like these these fucking ex members are waiting like a bunch like a bunch of fucking vultures in the wings. Right. That, Just to sue you. Yeah, or do or or try to fuck with us. So until the case gets resolved, either way. And I don't even give a fuck if we end up, you know, I don't think we're going to because we have a very right. strong case. We've been using the mark fucking 20 years without the dude. And he can't fucking, nobody goes to see him because he talks shit on stage. He's a fucking, yep. he's a fucking mama Luke, as they say in Brooklyn. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a, he, he tried to have the reunion. We're, we're like, showed, we right? ain't interested. So then the next thing he does is, is try to sue. Like a little fucking bitch that he is, so you don't and do talk shit. Oh, I challenge that guy to a fight. It's, it's you know. So you don't do drugs, obviously, but I don't drink. Part of the cannabis plant you do participate in is uh, CBD, right? Cannabis Absolutely, oil. yeah. Because uh, well, I'm gonna tell you, like I never took CBD oil, and then uh, I was training on the road uh, before. I just I May the end of May I did Chattanooga Half Ironman, so I was out on the road fucking training for. Ironman. That's in Tennessee. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it was in Queens. You know that song? <laughs> Is that the Chattanooga Choo Choo? Yeah. 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 So, uh, I, so, dude's first time in the mosh pit, gets up on stage, falls over the fucking speaker, steel cap boot to my fucking knee, right? Fucks me up. And the bass player had problems with his neck, Craig. He's like, yo, my boy gave me this CBD oil. He makes it himself. It's all organic fucking. He's like, Want you? I was like, yeah, I don't like taking fucking Advil and all this shit. It's not good for you. So I did the fucking CBD. He gave me fucking one drop of CBD and the fucking pain was gone. Under your tongue. Yeah, under yeah. your tongue. You let it sit there. And I was like, fucking pain free. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't get you no. fucked up. It just relaxes your body. Yeah, it relaxes your body, which enables your, your injury, the trauma of the injury to heal. It reduces inflammation. Yep. So if you do that combined with a proper diet, uh, the, the anti-inflammatory diet, which is no meat, no fish, no eggs, none of that bullshit, no white ice. bread, no pasta, 
You know, that's all inflammatory foods, all the gut health, all this shit that's going on with people's gut health. You never saw Crohn's and all this shit, IBS and all this shit that's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm going to reference one podcast real quick, and it yep. was Rich Roll Podcast. I've, yep. I've been on there a bunch, but he had Dr. Zach Bush on there talking about the glyphosate and what it's doing to people's gut health. So that's everything is sprayed with glyphosate, everything sprayed with Roundup. So it's, it's a pesticide, right, basically? Toxic as fuck. Right. And, uh, you know, that's Monsanto. Who's no longer. They, well, well, they, they, got, they got bored out by... Um, the Germ- German uh, uh, by bear. Right now, Ig Farben is bear. Right. You know what they created? The gas, gas that went in yeah. the motherfucking. I talked about it on Joe Rogan. So yeah. the history of these companies and who's making your food is chemical companies. So you know the thing is, I'm already eating very clean and doing all this stuff. So herbs work like the Rastaman say the herbs will work when you eat an Aital diet in conjunction with the herb them from the earth you then can it, do that well man yeah man you know man it's not my first rodeo man with the Rastaman <laughs> them I are emancipate yourself from eating all meat none of yourselves can just eat celery I have a question so this is a great whistleblower transition so Monsanto just paid out hundreds of millions oh, yeah, of dollars yeah, yeah. in a whistleblower lawsuit okay so, Ira, now we have a guy on here who knows that Monsanto is hiding data that shows that the pesticides and all this stuff. So why is that negative to whistleblow? So you would recommend in that situation that someone rat on the company if you thought that it was killing millions of Listen, people. Listen. I'm it, just saying. Okay. Here, here's my take. take it's it. not – I don't call it ratting. Right. I call it's – you're exposing Thank you. a fucking deadly fucking toxin that they knew – Yep. They knew, just like aspartame. Yep. Who owns the patent on aspartame? Aspartame is one of the most toxic substances ever put in a fucking food. Yep. You know who owns the patent on aspartame? Well, I knew they- Fucking Rumsfeld. Yeah. Rumsfeld bought off a fucking judge, had that shit approved, the FDA approved it, and now, because everyone knows the dangers of aspartame, what do they change the shit to? Amino sweet. They changed the name. So- uh, if if someone's putting out something that I know is harming motherfuckers, then that's not ratting. What that is is exposing people to the real truth of that fucking substance. Yep. You know, and 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 that's really what it's all about. And when they're making billions and billions and billions of dollars, and Making They're people just sick. killing people. Yeah. They're destroying the fucking environment that all of our kids in the future and our kids, kids and whatever have to live on this fucking planet. And those pesticides are ending up in the water and the rivers and into the ocean. And they're causing all kinds of problems, dead zones in the Gulf of fucking Mexico, the size of fucking New Jersey, yep. all from the pesticide runoff and all the rest, just like the meat industry with their CAFOs and concentrated animal feeding operations. What's going on down in New- in North Carolina right now? Ooh. There's millions of fucking uh, factory farm animals dying and, and fucking no... That's the story you don't see on the fucking news. But if you watch the movie What the Health, yep. then you'll know what these motherfuckers are doing. Yep. So exposing corporations for fucking poisoning people... That's not ratting. That's not ratting. That's what that is, is informing people of the dangers. And the the reason I do it, I don't got the power to go in and fight Monsanto's lawyers. But guess what? I can educate people on that shit and then they can choose not to fucking buy it. And that's what I that's what I do. That's what I've done since I became educated in this whole way. Organic. You know, people don't even know what the fuck does that sticker mean on your fruit? Like the four, the nine, the eight, the six. Right. What People have to pay attention. Yep. And my thing is to make them aware. Once you know about something, then you have the choice. But they're not given the choice. My thing is to make them aware of it and then present them with the choice of, you know, yep. okay, am I going to consume this fucking deadly product or not? It, it even milk they're they're having such a tough time now they're suing you can't call it soy milk you can't call it almond milk you have to call it almond beverage because the the 
people don't even know. Most people are, are lactose intolerant in this country. Yep. Most people cannot break fucking dairy down. They don't know that, oh, I'm just drinking this milk, but they don't know that those male cows are getting sent to veal and all the rest of the shit artificially impregnating a fucking cow dozens and dozens of times and all so you have to make people aware of situations that's that's happening that's a big difference than you know outright snitching yep. on somebody it's just you know presenting the the knowledge and putting it out there and that's what was done for me and when my teachers that taught me everything including uh Prabhupada Srila Prabhupada my yoga teacher uh, who translated more of the Vedas, Bhagavad Gita, everything? It's like, how do you repay somebody that saved your life? And you know what? You know what they? I was told, pay it forward. Yep. Just get out there yeah. and help the next person in line. And if, if I read you the email I got today, uh, even today coming on this show, somebody was like, "Yo, I heard you on Rogan, and the whole shit about you know people doing their time and forgiving and how let, let's give them a fucking chance." Like he um, was intoxicated and hurt a woman with his car and he went to jail. He went to prison and it's like now he's a felon and they're fucking it's it's like you're wearing the fucking scarlet letter for the rest of your fucking life. It's like, yo, I paid my due to society, but my debt. But it's like they want to keep punishing me and punishing me. And on that note, I just came from doing this documentary with the guy who did What the Health uh, and Paul DeGelder, the Australian Navy SEAL, he's yeah. on Discovery Week, uh, Shark Week. He had his arm and leg taken by the shark. Mm-hmm. So we did this documentary called uh, series that's probably going to be on Netflix called 30 to Life. And it's all we worked with these inmates in, in, that got paroled after 20, over 20 years, every single one of them. Right. Except for one kid uh, did like 10 and then the rest of them were all lifers. They got paroled to Amity Foundation in L.A. Right. And it's this whole, we, we, I said, okay, this is what the Bad Brains taught me. This is what my teachers taught me, Prabhupada and the rest of them. So we said, you do this thing for 30 days and watch your life change. And, and we put these inmates' meditation programs. We put them through plant-based diet they had to do. Uh, we trained them. Paul fucking took them skydiving. Like w- these dudes had never been to the ocean, and Paul took them swimming. They've never been to the ocean, and they live in fucking Los Angeles. Right. And but they've been locked down. One guy did fucking five years in in Pelican Bay in the shoe for solitary. You know we got him a right guitar. There? No. We got him a guitar from fucking, I have a connection with Yamaha. So we basically were like, what is it that you want to fucking do, man? And, and, and like, what's your dreams? How can we facilitate? So you're paying it forward big time. Big fucking time. That's all I do is, is try to pay it forward. And I do the shit on my own dime. I don't right. get paid for this shit. No, I didn't get on. paid for none of it. I didn't get. I don't get paid to go speak at the prisons and the high schools me, and all the shit I do. Let me ask I you a question because I got a lot of my friends that are um, did some major time, major time, 23, 25, 18. And they come out and they're so institutionalized that you can't even imagine. And you know, you you say you, they wear that button on their uh, on their chest, that F button, that felon button, because they can't get a job. You know, you're not going to get a job in the city. You're not going to get a job in sanitation. You're not going to get a job here because you got that F on there. And and their their whole mental state is is being locked down. I mean, and and their mindset is 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 being locked down. I mean, you've seen these guys out there. I mean, it. They, I some, see them every day. Sometimes they actually want to go back. You know, it's like Rambo when they said Rambo went back to Vietnam and he wanted to go home. I mean, these guys, they don't really know how to deal on the street more than they know when they're inside. I know guys that didn't want to come out of prison because they were fucking shook. I can survive gladiator school. I can survive Chino. I can survive fucking wall kill. I can survive any motherfucking thing you could throw at me on the inside. But when, how do on I? On the outside, man. Rehabilitate. That shit scares me. Rehabilitate. That shit fucking scares me. And I've seen people get out after doing major time like that, and it's like they can't even have people fucking come Look close them. to them. Yeah, they're all Look, They don't. It, it's a different. So that's a, it's, not yeah. like, it's, a, it's not like well, on well, Wall Street. Well, that's why I strip it down. Stearns. What I do is strip that shit down, and I bring the teachings of bhakti yoga. What are you know? Which gets down to the essence of what we really are, which is 
spirit soul, Tato Brahma Jagasya, that now is the time to I think search. I had that for dinner the other night, yeah. by the way. <laughs> by the way that's Self-realization, a, By man. the way, that, that's a perfect spot to end on because, you know, at the end of uh, Shawshank, you know, when they walk out, the first sign said Brooks was here. Well, he hung himself. Yeah. Right? But when Morgan Freeman got out, he wrote it, and he walked out and, you know, changed yeah. his life, went to the beach. So, you know, it's all, it's all how you face all this adversity, and you really have done amazing That's job. You're, You're amazing, actually a role man. model from for many people, and, and I'm glad you got to tell the story because people Well, are you know what it is? It's, it, it, it's, you know, Prabhupada led by example, and, and he was in Acharya. And Acharya means, I'm not saying I'm in Acharya, but I follow in his footsteps. You can't, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the motherfucking walk. Not that many people could do it. Well, you've, you've seen you've the depths. You've, you've gone to the bottom. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, and, and I've seen the worst in, in, in humanity and the best in humanity. And I'm going to tell you something right, right now. These guys that I just dealt with uh, who did all this time yeah. were the most respectful. Like, these motherfucking millennials and all these people out here, these fucking snowflakes offended by every little fucking <laughs> thing you say, they could learn a lot from some of these guys that did time about respect and every fucking thing else because I was fucking blown away by how respectful these guys were and how straight up and honest they were. Johnny, I, I, I talk about it again in my book. I, I, I grew up with guys that, you know, who were very successful, guys on Wall Street, guys in the uh, in the pharmaceutical business, guys that are private equity, guys that are in the government district. And the guys that I became friendly with that did serious time, guys that I love, guys that I respect, would have my back more and root for me more today than the guys I grew up there with. There you go. And I got to tell you, because it's like, it's it's what you see is what you get. You can't hide behind a facade you when you're any? locked up. Yep. It's like you have to, <laughs> you yeah. can't wear that mask. That shit's coming off. And, and I, I mean, some of these guys I, I'm going to be friends with, like uh, I just sent uh, a bunch of Everlast, Everlast boxing stuff from my trainer, Aaron, uh, here in New York. He runs Recover. But he does the Everlast podcast, and they just sent them out a whole fucking crate of boxing equipment. They're going to go out there and do uh, a whole boxing seminar with them. These guys, they're fucking great. And the minute they got an opportunity to change, every fucking one of them sees that opportunity. But we have to give the opportunity. Second we can't keep life. punishing motherfuckers gotta give a for mistakes chance. that were made. They need a second chance. They need love and compassion, not the fucking... Not the prison industrial complex and just watch 13th and you'll know what the fuck's going on. Yep. It's about money. Yeah, I saw it. Incredible. I'm awesome. fucking believable, well, man. With, with that, John, I can't thank you enough for thank you. coming on here, it, man. And, and I apologize sure. again for- What are you apologizing uh, for? You're real, brother. Yeah. We need people No, like I, you. I didn't oh, show up show last time. time. Yeah, Don't but think how much it. more has happened. You've already helped another hundred people. There you go. I hope so. I hope so. All right, John. Well, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Bale Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Juddelson. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. Peace. You can subscribe to our podcast at bellstreet.com or any other service that you use to download podcasts. We'll see you next time on Bale Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson.